Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Today we're going to be discussing Luke chapter 6. We're going to be discussing verse 27 to 36, and I've titled our time together, Agape Love in Response to Hate. Agape Love in Response to Hate. So yes, we are going to be reading this piece of text, and I would like to read this, please. And my one requirement is this, those who are not part of the Thursday uh, Bible study in the evenings, because they have probably all had their turn time and time again. So those of you who have not yet read scripture uh, for us on a Thursday, I would like to open it up to you now. And I would like two readers, one reader to read from verse 27 to the end of verse 31, and another reader to read from verse 32, basically to the end of verse 36. So one reader per paragraph. Who Can I have two volunteers, please? Thank you, Michael Marks. Are you reading the first paragraph and Kyla the second, or, or are you just reading the first? I think I'll just do the first. <laughs> All right. Can I have a second reader for, for the second paragraph, please? Let's go with Mike and Mike. All right. Great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate that. Michael Marks, when you're ready, you read, and then Michael Morris will follow it straight off to you. Thank you. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Thank you, Michaels. All right. If you haven't already, please turn within your own Bible. I know I've presented to you in the screen and we will be following a presentation like we do on a Thursday, uh, the Sunday. But I want you to have your own Bibles in front of you open, whether it's digitally or the physical version, because I'm going to break down the text for you really analytically or doing a textual study um, today. All right. And the way I'm going to bring it across to you is I want you to understand rhythmical heartbeat. And I'm sure when we read that text, you you heard, you felt the, the repetitive heartbeat or the rhythmical heartbeat throughout the text. And paramount, an executive summary, if you will, of that whole piece of text which we read, we can all agree, is verse 35. Jesus gives us a summary almost within this verse of what the, all the other verses are saying. 
but love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return. I've titled this the rhythmical heartbeat of the text and I'm going to break down line by line this verse and show you how it is echoed throughout the text which we are reading today and which we are studying. Firstly, but love your enemies. I've highlighted in red because this is an agape love response. Today we're going to talk about what does agape love mean and particularly how does it come through and blossom in response to when we are on the receiving end of hate. Okay, that's what we're talking about today. This is Jesus in the middle of his Sermon on the Plain according to Luke or Sermon on the Mount according to to Matthew, and Jesus is talking about and headlined in your Bibles, open in front of you, this section would be called Love Your Enemies. And indeed, that's where we started with in verse 27. And in verse 35, it echoes that the first rhythmical set of heartbeat it says, But love your enemies. It's an agape love response. But it continues, it says, And do good. You see, an agape love response is acted out. It's not, it's, it's a being that is acted out. And we're going to talk about that today. And most importantly, it's not just acted out. It's acted out in a tangible way. This is the, the orange part. And lend expecting nothing in return. I'm going to take this verse almost as if it was a key to a puzzle or a riddle. And I've called it a rhythmical heartbeat in which we can look throughout this whole piece of text and see this heartbeat throughout each line and how it is echoing each segment of this triune heartbeat. An agape love response is acted out in a tangible way. All right, you're all with me so far. I want you to think of this as a key. And we're going to work our way upwards in the screen or backwards in the text from verse 35 all the way back to verse 27 and even before that, to unpack the meaning of what Jesus is talking about. And through today's session, I'm also going to give you two contextual analyses. What that means is, what does turn the other cheek mean? Where does it come from? How does that make relevance for us today? The other one is about the cloak. I'm going to give you some quotations on those to show you within the historical context, the power in which when we time travel back and understand what those mean and how we can then take that through our lives today. Understand what Jesus is saying. And once we understand what he is saying, when he said it, how he said it, to whom he said it, it then comes alive in us in an amplified way for us to live it out today. So let's go through this text backwards as we talk about this rhythmical heartbeat or this key and how we can read this verse. All right. So if we go if we go to the next three sets of verses above that, verse 32, 33, and 34, you will see the same rhythmical heartbeat there too. Verse 32 in red, the agape love response. It says, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. See, the topic or the focal point of verse 32 is agape love. That is the, the word there for love in Greek is agape. We are talking about the God kind of love. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Right? In other words, we have to love those who don't 
love us back. And this is why we're talking about an agape love response to hate. Verse 33, this is how it is acted out. And if you do good, there's that do good again, the acting out. If you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. Again, Jesus is saying even sinners act out agape love or love to those that they get reciprocal goodness back. They do good to those that do good to them. But this is not what he's calling us to. He's calling us to do good to those who don't do good to us. And verse 34 is the tangibility of it all. And if you lend to those from who you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. Now, for me, this is where it really, the tangibility really fleshes it out as it should. You see, when we lend to someone, we expect to get something back. That's why the word lend, we, we expect to get it back. And that's why we, we lend. But Jesus is going beyond that concept. He's going beyond just doing what everyone else does, even non-Christ followers. He wants us to lend. And as the, verse 35 said, expecting nothing in return. Okay, let's carry on. And let's go to the next three verses above these as we started in verse 27 love your enemies and agape love response agape love your enemies and the green do good there it is again do good act it out agape love is acted out do good to those who hate you bless those who curse you pray for those who abuse you now we get some unpacking of what this acting out what does it look like? What does agape love in action look like? What is this choice, not just, not restricted to feeling or emotion, but now a choice when someone comes at you with hate and animosity, how should we respond? We respond with, when someone curses you, we bless them. When someone abuses us, we pray for them. When someone strikes us on the cheek, and we're going to unpack that late, later, offer the other also. And I'm going to show you how studying that context amplifies it for us. The same, we're going to look at the tangibility of the next section when it says, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And verse 31, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Before we carry on, let's all admit this is a very challenging piece of text. When I spoke about it that many weeks ago, I was very aware of my inability to follow these words without Christ. That's the point. Just like the old covenant, we can't do this in any of our ability or any of our own strength. This is all Christ all of the time. And he desires to participate within us and through us to enable us to agape love. And we're going to end off there on how that is possible. But let's know, let's all look at this text and let's all feel uncomfortable because we all should. That's the point of this text. We can't do this on our own and it's very uncomfortable. And that's the point. We need Jesus to be able to agape love those who hate us. And that is what we're talking about today. But before we continue, 
it's important to note that verse 27 starts with a but. But I say to you who hear. The question really at the outset should be, it says love your enemies. What does Jesus mean by enemies? Surely we shouldn't have any. And that is correct. We don't see others as enemies, but rather others would see us as enemies. And if we have to read from a few verses earlier towards the, the last beatitude according to Luke in verse 22, when he said, blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Okay, so who is Jesus talking about when he says, love your enemies? He's talking about those that see us as Christ followers, as their enemies. We should not see anyone as an enemy to us. Not anymore, not after the cross, right? We all fell short. And all of us are on the gracious receiving end of the mercy of God through Christ Jesus on the cross. Thankfully, after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, we should not have any enemies, just like Jesus himself did not see anyone as his enemy. But for sure, he was on the receiving end of hate. People saw him as their enemy. And this is what we mean by we say, love your enemies. People that hate you. People that exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil, right? On the account of Jesus. In other words, if you're following Jesus and you're on the receiving end of hate, exclusion, being reviled, being dishonored, being shamed, being mocked, being abused, Jesus is saying to you, love them. And this is what we're talking about in this portion of the text. We're talking about an agape love response to hate. And the two words that stand out in these passages, obviously, are hate and agape love. The Greek word for hate is miso. And the Greek word for love, like we spoke about in this context, in Luke writing it, he's a Greek, he's a Gentile writing it, and he uses the word agape or agapo when he talks about this God kind of love. So we are talking about hate and love. Now, if we take our rhythmical heartbeat that I've given you from verse 35, but love your enemies, their agape love response. Do good, it's acted out in a tangible way and lend expecting nothing in return. We can also see that hate works the same way. What do I mean by that? If we take those verses from verse, uh, the last beatitude, and we, we take the tangibility of it. So if we say hate is acted out, how is it acted out? And I've changed the red and the green here to show the perversion of it. Hate is acted out by being excluded, by being reviled, by being spurned or spurning, by ins being insulted or insulting others, by being abused or abusing others. It's the same way. Hate, like agape love, needs to be acted out. A choice needs to be making, made sorry, and then brought across to people. And also, the important part for me in this whole session is the orange. We always forget the tangibility of it all. You see, what does it mean when we are on the receiving end or when we give hate away? When we do that, when we, we take away forcefully. In the context that we read today, cloaks, goods, and money were taken away. 
Okay, we, we didn't just speak about lending and borrowing. We spoke about theft. We spoke about someone taking something that was yours and whether that is goods or money. So can you see the heartbeat here too? Okay, and like we have said already, agape follows the same pattern. But love your enemies. The agape love response does good, blesses, and prays in response to the acted out nature of hate. As well, it is tangible. It doesn't withhold. When someone tries to take away forcefully, it doesn't. You see, a lot of people interpret uh, these pieces of text as just passivity or non-retaliation. And I think that's a half-truth. Jesus is not Gandhi here. He's not just talking about passivity. He's not just talking about non-retaliation. He's actually talking about operating in a higher power, in a higher authority. And that's agape love. Agape love is not inactive. It is not passive. It is active and it does something. And this is what, what I'm trying to show you through the text. It does something in response. That's not inactive. That's active. It does good. It does bless and it does pray in response. And when we do that, we operate out of a higher force of his love. And thereby, when someone tries to take away something from us forcefully, we don't withhold it because we don't seek, we don't see the value of that anymore. But rather, we give away freely and generously because we're operating out of a higher kingdom way, his way. And we see his generous spirit in response. So we, I want to talk about response here. Don't just restrict it to non-retaliation as the world would do. And I'm going to show you through the study of the context of turn the other cheek that it's not just about not hitting someone back or offering the next, but it's talking about a response to that. So let's do that now. So if I show you verse 27, and I went from love your enemies all the way to verse 31, I'm going to give you two, like I said, two historical context studies. First, we're going to talk about verse 29. What does it mean when it says to one who strikes you on the cheek offer the other one also and to do this i'm going to use a quote and allow me to read rod mattoon from treasures from scripture i think he beautifully unpacks this for you as if you would time travel back not just to the time in which jesus lived but to understand his culture we need to understand the culture in which jesus lived is a very strong honor shame culture for us today we think of japan when we think of honor and shame but in that time, in Jesus's, in, in Nazareth, in Galilee, in Israel, the Jews of the day were really ruled by honor and shame, right? What does it mean to honor your parents? What does it mean to shame your parents or your community or your friends? It's very strong honor shame. And let's, let Rod Mattoon unpack the culture for you so you understand when Jesus is talking about what does it mean when someone hits you on the cheek. Okay, and I quote, he says, in Matthew 5, verse 39, Jesus mentions the strike of the right cheek, which tells us he is describing a backhanded slap. Since most people are right-handed, like me, this is surely what Jesus had in mind. In other words, I'm doing this using the back of my right hand. In Jesus' time, if you wanted to really insult someone, you would slap them with the back of your hand. According to rabbinic law, to hit someone with the back of the hand was twice as insulting as hitting them with the flat 
open palm of the hand. The back of the hand meant a calculated contempt or withering disdain for a person. In other words, if I pause the quote here, in other words, you put some thought into slapping him this way. You didn't just slap them out of reaction or, or emotion. You've taken some thought and said, you know what? I really want to belittle this person. I want to use the back of my hand. And there's contextual reasons for that, which he goes on to unpack. It meant that you were, let's continue the quote. It meant you were insulted, vilified, and scorned as a nobody. You were considered worthless or as nothing. Understanding this custom is essential in understanding what this passage is talking about. It will not happen very often, if at all, that anyone would slap us on the face. But time and time again, life brings to us insults, either great or small. Let me pause the quote here. In other words, if I had to travel to the culture and the context of the day, most times when you've seen enough historical movies to understand the backhand in Arthurian culture or honor shame culture, it meant that that person probably wasn't a good person to begin with, but they would, for example, stand on a table if you didn't pay enough taxes, or if you were a wife being abused by a very authoritarian man in those days and he didn't treat his household well or his children or his slave, they were never in a position to respond anyway, which meant he knew he could do anything. He or she could do anything to you and you wouldn't be able to respond anyway. So he would get up and he would slap you with the back of the hand. You understand what I'm saying? The choice to respond was pro pretty much uh, authoritatively not an option for you. And that's why the back of the hand was used. It's further shame. It's to dismiss you as a nobody. Imagine being slapped with the back of a hand. It's like you were n a nobody. And that's what he was saying. Let's continue the quote from the second paragraph. And understanding what Jesus is saying by giving us this very visceral illustration. He says, Rod Mattoon, Jesus is saying here that the true Christian has learned to not resent and seek retaliation for insult and abuses. When Jesus spoke of being slapped on the cheek, he was describing especially an insult that, be, that comes because of one's faith. It was an insult for which a Jew could seek legal satisfaction according to the law of Lex Italianis, that's Latin for law of retaliation, an eye for an eye. That is, the person could seek damages. But Jesus says, do not do it. In short, Jesus was saying that though you could take your opponent to the cleaners, do not do it. Lovingly absorb the insult, hurt, pain, rejection, and abuse. Turning the other cheek is more of an illustration of a principle to live by than, a, than of a literal action. It's more of an attitude of the heart than a physical posture. It shows an attitude of the opposite of retaliation. Anything more than that, we will interpret this action wrongly. Turning the cheek is a principle that says, I will not fight back and retaliate when insulted, but will leave the execution of the judgment to the Lord. Jesus calls us to swallow our pride and give up our rights to reparation and fairness our Lord is saying we should not attempt personal vengeance. Rather than avenging yourself, we ought to be ready to suffer patiently a repetition of the same injury. We are to endure repeated insults 
these exhortations belong to those principally who are persecuted for righteousness sake all right so you understand now contextually how demeaning the backhand slap is and how jesus is using that illustration to call us to a greater response not just passive passivity or inactivity but calling us to an agape love response. Turn the other one also. In other words, I live by a higher power and I am not going to enter into judgment. The Lord is your judge and mine and I will not claim vengeance for myself. I follow his kingdom and you can do what you want. Jesus is my Lord. Speaks merely for me to the Lordship of Christ. All right, let's talk about the next one. The next contextual study, this one is my personal favorite because it really is very explicit in the text if, if we are there to go follow the threads. Let me read from the latter half of verse 29 from Luke 6. It says, And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Okay, and in your Bibles you probably have a note there of tunic. It means in a garment closest to the skin. So I like to call it if someone takes away your jacket, don't withhold your vest either. I went as far as vest, not just shirt, right? They probably only had two layers back in the day, a, a coat and a tunic. So he says, if someone's taken away your coat, give them your shirt as well, or your vest. Verse 30, give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. All right, let me quote from John MacArthur now. He says, Many people only owned one coat, which also served as a blanket when they slept. Because of that, the Mosaic law required that any coat taken as a pledge, we're going to unpack that soon, had to be returned before sunset. And we will read Exodus 22 to unpack that. To keep a person's cloak would constitute serious abuse. But when that happens, Christ's disciples are not to retaliate, but rather to continue to lovingly minister to those who persecute them, even if that results in losing their shirt or their inner garment as well. Okay, let's go to Exodus 22 and let's read what it says when it talks about using your cloak as surety for the debt in which you own. It says, Exodus 22, verse 25 to 27. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a money lender to him and you shall not exact interest from him. Okay, basically verse 25 says, if someone can't pay the interest, they are struggling to pay the loan back already, don't charge them interest. That is not something you should be doing. That's what verse 25 says. So someone is poor and you've loaned them money, don't now... Uh, try and take interest on them and as the world operates really cram them deeper into the debt hole right that's what verse 25 says now we get to the cloak part in verse 26 now understand why did i read verse 25 we're talking about surety we're talking about if you owe someone money and this it doesn't change tact verse 26 says if you ever take your neighbor's cloak in pledge in other words michael marks i owe michael marks money as a pledge to me, making sure I will pay him his money, if hopefully before the sun sets, I will take off my jacket and I will give it to him and say, 
Michael Marks, before this day is out, I need my coat because I need to keep warm later. I will come back to you and give you your money back because I need that cloak. So it's surety. It's a pledge. I will pay you back before the sun goes down. So it says there, Michael Marks, if you ever take Stephen's cloak in a pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down. Why? Because it's my only source of warmth. It's the only thing that's going to keep me warm at night. It's my blanket. It's my duvet. It's my jacket. It's, it's my all-purpose garment. Right? So here's God telling the Israelite Michael Marks that don't keep your neighbor's coat even if he owes you something beyond sunset why verse 27 for that is his only covering and it is his cloak for his body in it what else shall he sleep see john MacArthur accurately interprets the cloak context for me look at the last few words within exodus 22 and this is what we're going to land with we see what the rapa love rhythmical heartbeat is all about is as as we live out this rhythmical heartbeat as a sense of being not just doing not just doing these things because they're the right thing to do but doing them because why because you see god's heartbeat even in exodus 22 he says and if he cries to me i will hear for i am compassionate in our thursday bible study we spoke about how jesus resurrected a widow's young son because he was compassion compassionate to her and her plight our father god's nature is one of compassion for he is gracious and compassionate that is who he is it is in his essence it is in his nature it is in his being it's how his heart is beating and so he calls ours to beat in line with his and that's why it needs to be it's tangible when our hearts beat there's a direct tangibility to that whether that's breath whether that's life heartbeat remains a tangibility and an acting out clearly when jesus was speaking in the sermon on the on the plain or the mount he had leviticus 19 in his heart and we don't have time to go into a depth study of that but i've quickly given you a snapshot of how i've gone through leviticus 19 and let me give an example right at the bottom of verse 17 you say well, how do you know that stephen well jesus calls us to love our enemies we know what what is the old covenant calling us to love is calling us to love our neighbors and if we read verse 17 it says you shall not hate your brother in your heart but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest incur sin because of him and you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself i am the lord all right but leviticus 19 also follows this rhythmical heartbeat there's a tangibility of it in orange and let me just read verse 9 to highlight that i was very interested to study that leviticus 19 gave very a clear tangibility of how they are to care for the sojourner and the poor within their day it says that if you're a farmer reap the harvest when you're reaping the harvest of your land you shall not reap your grain right up to its edge neither shall you gather the gleanings of your harvest and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather fallen grapes of your vineyard. In other words, don't harvest everything. Leave some remaining. Either leave some of the wheat on the edge, gleanings, whether leave some grapes uh, on, the, on the vine or the ones that have fallen. Why? You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. See, in 
the Lord's heart from the beginning of time till today, he has always ensured that society cares for those who cannot care for themselves because he desires and his heart is to care for those that cannot care for themselves. And we read that in the last line and read there in verse, in verse 10. I am the Lord your God. And I want you to see that throughout all the verses, even in Leviticus, which people see as a bunch of rules, they are not. They are the heartbeat of the Father God. He says after each one, 11 and 14 and 16 and, and 18, I am the Lord your God. This is how my heart beats for the poor, for the sojourner, for every brother and sister along your side, whether you, they see you as an enemy or whether you see them as your neighbor or your brother or your sister. You need to agape love them in response because that's what I am doing to you and to others. So let's, let's land the plane. Let's go back to verse 35. Can you see that heartbeat now really paramount and visceral in front of us? An agape love response is acted out in a tangible way. When we agape love our enemies, we act it out by doing good, by blessing them who curse us, by praying for those who abuse us, to turning the other cheek, to not allowing other people's shame of us in following Jesus to dissuade us from following him and his kingdom and actually operating in his way and not, and not in the world's way. And as, as well, we need to do it that there's a tangibility to it all. We are to lend expecting nothing in return. We are to give, when someone asks for our cloak, we are to give them our shirt as well. When someone, when it, uh, it says there, give to everyone who begs from you. And in South Africa, I'm sure as in Zimbabwe, it's a challenge to do that. But I believe it says what it means. Give to everyone who begs from you. And for one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And do to others what you would want them to do to you. All right? But look how it ends. Just like in Leviticus 19, for I am the Lord your God. He says there, and your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High. That's when we will be sons of the Most High. Why? For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Thank goodness for that. All of us have been ungrateful, and all of us have been evil. And he has been kind to us too, and continues to be kind as we unfortunately reflect something other than his nature. Verse 36 really cements it just like for I am the Lord your God. Be merciful even as your father is merciful. Do you see the word be there? He's calling us to be and to follow the heartbeat of Father God because that's who he is. To operate with these agape love responses in a tangible way is to be like our father in heaven. It's to be merciful and compassionate. Because he is kind and he is compassionate and he is merciful to everyone, especially to those who are ungrateful and evil. You see, hate, like I've read numerous times, is acted out in a tangible way. I like to summarize it as hate is self-seeking. At the end of it, that's what the root of all sin is pride because it's after number one. It's It has your best interest at heart and no one else's. But agape love 
in response is the opposite of that. It is selfless. It is kind and it is merciful. Very important, just like our Father God. When we operate out of a self-giving love, I find that's the most helpful definition of what agape love means. It's self-giving love. When we operate out of that love, we operate out of Him because that's who He is. And therefore, there's no better verse to end off today's uh, time together than 1 John 4 verse 7 to 12. And I've given you the voice version. And in front of you, I've highlighted just to show you that the love that John, the Apostle John is talking about here is agape love. The Apostles have taken the Greek language and particularly agape as the translation as this God kind of love because it's a self-giving kind of love. Okay, I'm not going to read you the Greek every time we read the word love, but I need you to see that it is filled with the God's nature here. It's not a human kind of love. It's God himself and his love. It says here from verse 7, my loved ones, and even as, as John addresses those that he's writing to in his epistle, he calls them his agabatos, his loved ones, right? Let us devote ourselves to loving one another. Love, agape, comes straight from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and truly knows God. Anyone who does not love, agapo, does not know God because God is agape. Because of this, the love of God is a reality among us. God sent his only son into the world so that we could find true life through him. This is the embodiment of true agape love. Not that we have loved God first, but that he loved us and sent his unique son on a special mission to become an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So my loved ones, he calls them again. If God loved us so sacrificially, so giving of himself, surely we should love one another. No one has ever seen God with human eyes. But if we love one another, God truly lives in us. Consequently, God agape loves, his agape love has accomplished its mission among us. For me, that is a beautiful verse to summarize everything we've spoken about today. Do you see the organic nature of what John is saying? In other words, he is saying, if you are truly a child and an offspring of Christ, if a follower of Christ and Christ is in you and you're following him, then the fruit of Christ will be beating within your chest because it is agape love. If you are partaken of Christ and he is now within you, your heartbeat, your rhythmical heartbeat is beating to his and the same rhythm as his because his is agape love. It's a self-giving love, not interested in what you get. In any small, indirect way. But it's interested in, the, in, in others. Other-centered and other-focused. Especially ones that hate you and revile you and curse your name because you're following me. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.